Good evening. I'm Rick Cottom. Welcome to Your Maryland. At 6.45 on the bitterly cold morning of January 17, 1781, 1,100 British regulars, Scots Highlanders, and American Tories, clad in their distinctive green jackets, emerged from the trees and marched into a meadow in western South Carolina called the Cowpens. A few hundred yards away, a small army of American frontiersmen, local militia, and continental regulars stood in three lines and waited. We were slapping our hands together to keep warm, one American recalled. The British formation, he added, was the most beautiful line I ever saw. Coming at them was the feared British Legion, a combination of infantry and cavalry, including hundreds of loyalists from New York State, who could move through the southern backcountry as fast as any frontiersman. Their commander was a brilliant, reckless, 26-year-old aristocrat and Oxford graduate named Bannister Tarleton. To friends, he was warm and full of humor, a delight at parties. To others, he was a cold-blooded killer, responsible for the massacre of Americans trying to surrender at a place not far away called the Waxhaws. After the Waxhaws, the phrase Tarleton's Quarter came to mean no mercy. American militia were known to run away when challenged, and that's what Tarleton expected to happen on this morning. Riflemen couldn't reload very quickly, and they couldn't withstand a charge with a bayonet, the terror weapon of the 18th century. Of the entire American army on the field that day, only a small force of current and former Continental regulars from Maryland, Delaware, and Virginia, led by a quiet young Marylander named John Eager Howard, even knew how to use the bayonet. Tarleton outnumbered them two to one and had no reason to think the outcome of this battle was in doubt. His infantry advanced at a trot and quickly brushed aside the American skirmishers. Next, they struck the militia, whom the British expected to fire one shot and run. This time, the frontiersmen got off three shots before the Legion forced them back onto the third and last American line. Tarleton probably smiled to himself as his men took aim at Howard and his outnumbered Continentals. The battle was as good as won. To finish the job, he sent in his cavalry and a regiment of Scottish Highlanders, screaming around the American right flank. Howard ordered the rightmost company to turn and meet them. But in the confusion, someone misunderstood his order, and the company turned about and began marching to the rear. Other companies saw it, and one by one followed suit. The American commander, General Daniel Morgan, galloped up to Howard and asked why his men were running away. The young Marylander observed that his men weren't running anywhere. They were performing the most difficult maneuver in 18th century warfare, turning their backs on an enemy and marching to the rear under fire and in perfect order and reloading their muskets as they went. No one thought the Americans could do such a thing, not Morgan and certainly not Bannister Tarleton. With the British close on their heels, Howard's men marched 80 yards to a slight hill where General Morgan had gone to await them. When the line reached him, Howard ordered them to face about and fire. The Continentals wheeled, aiming from the hip. The Scots and British legionnaires were so close the Americans could see the triumph in their faces, turn first to surprise, then to fear. Howard ordered a bayonet charge. From a distance, Bannister Tarleton watched his line dissolve and surrender. Such things simply didn't happen, certainly not in a fight with American rabble. He ordered his cavalry reserve to advance and save the day, but they refused. The reason was simple. He'd ordered his army to show the Americans no mercy, and now his men expected to receive Tarleton's quarters themselves. John Eager Howard and Daniel Morgan, though, accepted their surrender as Bannister Tarleton fled to the rear. The victory lifted American spirits everywhere and set the British on the road to Yorktown. John Eager Howard became a household name, even today. 
The next time you hear Remember Howard's Warlike Thrust as part of our state song, think of that cold Carolina morning and a crossroads called the Calpins. <laughs>